This should be played at high volume. Welcome to Out of Pocket. Here's your host, Michael Davis. Welcome to Out of Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, tobaccoroadsportsradio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We have a pretty big show for you today. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff we don't usually get to talk about in Out of Pocket. So it's a very special show, and we can't do this show without, of course, Michael Davis. But we got Jackson Cordray back in on the show. Jackson, how are you doing this week? What's up, man? I'm ready to talk some uh, some football, maybe a little bit of basketball. I don't pay too much attention to college basketball. I'm going to be honest. I said before the show, I didn't even know Duke and North Carolina were playing this weekend. But, man, I'm ready to talk some sports, bro. That's that's pretty disappointing that you don't know the biggest rivalry on Tobacco Road. This is Tobacco Road Sports Radio. We got the biggest rivalry, and we had to bring back our guy. He was on a show maybe a month or two ago talking some college basketball, the first team time these teams matched up mason childers how are you doing today i'm doing great michael i'm happy to be back happy to have you back and we get to talk about the tobacco road rivalry duke north carolina and this has been a season that not many fans expected in terms of the success uh there's been some struggles on both ends they've spent most of the season unranked and it's kind of disappointing when you look at it from a Duke UNC standpoint. Mason, I believe you're a UNC fan. How do you how do you evaluate this season so far for your Tar Heels that returned a lot of their veterans? Yeah, well, one thing with the Tar Heels is the best way I can say is they're consistently inconsistent. Uh, they'll play really well one game, and then the next game they look like they've never touched a basketball in their life. So the main thing for UNC is just to be consistent and just to to do what they know they can do. Um, it's been really difficult to get everybody on the same page this year. We've had RJ hurt, and then Baycott was out a couple games. Um, then he hurt us back here recently again. Um, so it's really just putting everything together to play how we know they can play because they are a championship caliber team when they can play like we know they can. But they've just really struggled to put all that together this year so far. But, but why has it been with these veteran guys? Like, as a, as a Duke fan, I had, to, I had to wear my Duke hoodie, you know? If, if Jackson can pull out that, you know, University of South Carolina alum crew neck, notice I didn't say USC, and he's got it on this week too, then I can definitely pull out my Duke hoodie, which I usually wear most of the time. Uh, if you're watching our YouTube channel, you can go follow Tobacco Road Sports Radio for that. But Duke... Their guys, they're just they just bring in these freshmen. They know they're going to be gone in a year. I don't necessarily love that idea. I know Jackson has some different perspective when it comes to players leaving for the NBA, leaving college. Yeah, man, I think that I think you should be able to leave uh, as soon as you turn eighteen. I think you should be able to go to the draft immediately. I mean, if you can enlist in the army, if you can enlist in into our Marines. If you could do all of that at 18 years old, I find it quite ridiculous that you can't immediately go and play in the NBA. Uh, in the NFL, for an example, you have to stay three years. 
that is reasonable because these players are not ready out of high school to go play in the uh, in the NFL. They do not have the bodies to go play. Right, you're not going to find a quarterback that has the experience or the body type to go immediately start for the Carolina Panthers. Right, outside of a, an occasional Jadavion Clowney in a freshman class, you know, back in 2012, you're not going to find that guy. Right, so but for the NBA, on the other hand, you can find skill players. A Zion Williamson could come out of nowhere and it be the first pick in the draft and not have to play his freshman year. Uh, I find it kind of ridiculous that those guys can't do that. Plus, you're also going to eliminate the, a, a large majority of these one-and-dones, right? Duke is a prime example. Kentucky is a prime example of these one-and-done players that immediately enlist for the draft after their freshman year when North Carolina tends to have guys stay way longer. I think, Mason, you can agree with that. But UNC is getting guys in like the 20s and 30s in the player rankings, and they're staying till their senior years because they're not they're not as good as the number one guy in the country that's going to Duke that's going to immediately enlist for the draft, right? So if you eliminate the large majority of guys who already are going to the NBA draft with just allowing players in the one to ten or whatever the rankings are to immediately enlist, then you're looking at guys that will stay longer for the tenure of a college basketball player, and you're looking at better competition. You're looking at better overall talents and 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 a better college basketball system right you're going to enjoy games much more and duke won't look at players and be like okay i gotta learn this guy's face this year and then i gotta learn a new guy's face the next year no this guy's gonna stay four years you know and i think that's a large problem with teams like kentucky and and duke that fizzle out towards the end of the tournament because they don't have college bodies like a unc does or like a kansas normally does or 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 other blue bucks blue bloods so that's just kind of my thought on it i don't know what your thought your thought on it on it is michael or or mason but i just that's kind of how i see it for me when it comes to like watching duke i remember watching back with john shire brian zubeck the plumley the plumley years kyle singler like the list goes on in terms of the guys who stayed four years and made duke their home it is hard just learning all the new guys and knowing, yeah, it's all right. We're back. Just some technical difficulties. Uh, as I was saying, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when you work in the business of radio, broadcasting, YouTube, live streaming, that's going to happen and that's okay. But um, what I was saying was Duke, I, you, you get used to, you know, your Plumleys, your Brian Zubanks, your Kyle Singles, your Nolan Smiths. We were just talking about him, ironically, before we went on air today. Like, you fall in love with those players. And now, as a Duke fan, it's like, okay, now you get your new new talent every year, and they just leave. Knowing full and well they could develop into really good players, like a Justice Winslow comes to mind because he had the body for the NBA. He just didn't have the maturity in his game yet. Uh, Cam Reddish is another one that comes to mind. Th- those those guys come to mind, but UNC's done really good about keeping their guys. Um, Mason, particularly when it comes to this week's game, who do you need to step up for your team for the Tar Heels to win? Oh, well, first of all, Baycott has got to assert his dominance in the paint. Last game, uh, when he was in Cameron, Derek Lively just dominated the paint offensively and defensively. He, I think he had eight or nine blocks in that game. He had double-digit rebounds. 
Yeah, I mean, he was a monster in that game, and Carolina had no answer for that. So for Carolina to come out on top this game, which is a must-win game for them, Baycott has to play like the player that we know who he is and the ACC player of the year, in my opinion, uh, although he probably won't get it, but he, but he needs to play the way that he knows he can because Derek Lively had his way last game, and it that's the reason Duke won. Say ACC player of the year. Yeah, player of the year. Last year he got snubbed with uh, the guy from Wake Forest. Uh, obviously, he's had a couple of games that he that have been down. Like last game, he only had one point. Uh, that's brought his numbers down a little bit. But he's been the most consistent player in ACC this year, and he's the most dynamic player as far as offensively and defensively. Just curious here, as someone who doesn't pay attention to ACC basketball and is a Gamecock fan and watches our boys' team just get dominated and ran over by everybody, uh, how do you just just curious here? How do you score one point, and that equates to being in one game? One game you score one point, and that equates to being the ACC Player of the Year. If you're going to be the ACC Player of the Year or Player of the Year in any conference or whatever, I expect you to not score a singular point. How does well, that? Happen? Tell me how that equates, please. Everybody has their off games. He got in foul trouble really early, and Carolina, they were hitting threes consistently. So the game plan that typically for Carolina is is to let Baycott uh, destroy everybody. But in that game, they were hitting their three-pointers. They were hitting the open shots, which they haven't done earlier in this season. So whenever they're hitting shots like that, Baycott is no longer the focus. It's to, to take what's given to you, and Carolina did that. Baycott, Baycott's interesting because he's let his numbers come down a little bit. He's he's averaging the same amount of points. He has less rebounds now than he has in seasons past. His field goal percentage went down a little bit. I, I don't know if I would classify him as ACC Player of the Year, but I will say he has given Duke problems, given them fits, until Derek Lively came to the scene. And – I feel like a big issue in Duke's game this year so far is they haven't been healthy. They they haven't been healthy. We haven't even seen Derek Whitehead half the time. This strangely reminds me of Kyrie Irving's freshman year at Duke, which I, I know I'm, I don't love claiming Kyrie as a Duke guy because he barely played and went to the NBA, and now he's – just as crazy as an ever. NBA champion is an NBA champion. He is an NBA champion. And one of the, has one of the greatest closing clutch moments of all time in NBA history. I am so tired of the Kyrie hate. He is so good. Michael, Mike, he is so good. Did you he doesn't not watch play. the 2016 playoffs? Did you not watch him and LeBron I, be the best two players on the face of the planet for three straight games? They were the two best players on the face of the planet against the team that was the greatest team in NBA history at the time. So close them out. So just saying, for the record, what happened after that championship? He wasn't happy in Cleveland. so He's got a ring, though. He forces his way into Boston. Okay, Wants to be his own guy. Wants to have his own team. Struggles there. Wants to go form this super team in Brooklyn. Fails because he doesn't want to play. He was he doesn't want to be on the court. Finds literally any excuse possible not to be on the court, and now he's forced his way he over was to Dallas. Kicked off the team. 
He was kicked off the team essentially in, in with the Nets. And you can't be uh, kicked Austin, off the team when you kick yourself out of off the court. Still, but he's playing with a young Jason Tatum and a young Jalen Brown. Those guys weren't even good then. All I'm saying is, is that he doesn't force his way out of Cleveland to go to Boston if Kevin Durant doesn't do some snake bull crap and go over to the Golden State Warriors and form the greatest team of all time. Okay? That's what happened. And if not, Kyrie LeBron run it back to back to back. That's all I'm saying. You understand you can't be kicked off a team if you kick yourself off the court. That's the problem with Kyrie Irving. Now – Mason, we 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 gotta cover this game. Duke and UNC. You've already said Armando Baycott needs a big game. I think Derek Lively needs to present himself better on the offensive end of the ball. Uh, Phil Pawski honestly was a non-factor that game against UNC. So between Phil Pawski and Lively, those guys need to be the keys for Duke. Who do you ultimately see winning this game? Uh, well, when it comes down to who's going to win, uh, the homer in me says it's going to be Carolina taking the win. But also because, like I said earlier, it is a must-win game. Carolina has to win this game if they want a chance to be in the tournament right now. Uh, I think right now they're still considered the first four out, according to Joe Lenardi. So they have to win this game because you can't lose at home and still expect to make the tournament. And they still need to make some noise in the ACC tournament for me just to cement themselves into the tournament. So just from that aspect, they have to win. Uh, they've already they lost the game earlier in this season, so you don't want to get swept against Duke, of course. And it's just this this motor that they have to have because for some of these guys, like Leaky and Armando and even Caleb and RJ, we don't know what their futures are going to be. Leaky can't come back. Uh, this could be their last home game uh, for the Tar Heels. So they've got to leave it all out on the floor, not only for themselves, but just to, to keep their season alive to make it into March. Senior night does create an interesting amount of emotion when it comes to these players, especially when there is a big Duke-UNC rivalry that we'll get to experience tomorrow night as part of the Tobacco Road rivalry. Get and talk about it on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. It's pretty cool. Uh, I, I really think after how last year ended with Duke and UNC, perhaps the sickest I've ever felt to my stomach when it comes to watching sports, is not only UNC beating Coach K in his final home game, but his final game ever, their first ever meeting in the NCAA tournament. I feel like Duke is due a sweep on UNC this year, but this could definitely dictate whether UNC gets in the tournament or not. Do you eventually see themselves getting there? Do they need an ACC tournament win to get themselves back into the top 68 teams in the nation? Well, first of all, we're just going to just for the sake of this, we're going to assume that they win a Saturday night against Duke. And then the ACC tournament, I say they have to make the semifinals at least to, to give themselves a shot at the tournament. Obviously, if they win the tournament, that's the automatic bid. Uh, but I would say the semifinals is the, the least that they have to get to to be able to get themselves into the tournament because right now they're, they're not in it, um, according to Joe Lenardi. Mr. Joe Lenardi, what a guy. He, he he's like he's like the Woj of college basketball, and yeah, Woj, he, uh, Woj over Shams. Can I say it? I'm more of a Shams guy myself. You're more Shams, definitely Jackson. Back Shams me up here. You're definitely a Shams guy. I'm just saying, dude. Woj breaks everything before anything happens. Shams even like 
release what was it uh it was like a fake news kind of rumor a premature rumor just because he was trying to get ahead of Woj like come on Woj doesn't make those mistakes it's all right everybody makes mistakes but to me I'm shans over Woj all day Mason, I'm sure you tell yourself that every day when you make a mistake, but not everybody can be perfect like myself, not my internet connection for about 10 seconds in this segment, but we got to get out of here. Mason, go Duke. It's great having you, but when we come back, we're going to talk some football. We're welcoming in Ryan Frick from Tap Outs and Touchdowns. He's a big XFL guy, and we get to figure out his perspective on the first two weeks of the xfl and could the xfl and usfl end up being a developmental territory for the national football league mason have a good one and go duke and we'll see you back after the break Welcome back to Out Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We have a big show. Thank you so much for Mason hopping in, talking some college basketball. Uh, and then we're welcoming back Jackson Cordray into this segment. He admitted he's not a big ACC fan, but he did a terrible out-of-pocket take on Kyrie Irvin, but we, we, we've just beat that horse down too much. And so now we're welcoming in Ryan Frick from Tap Outs and Touchdowns. Ryan, how's it going, man? I'm good. I'm, all, I'm always down for a, uh, an ACC beatdown. Let's, let's run them into the mud just all day, every day. Let's go. <laughs> well, we, we, got, we got the XFL season. We got the USFL draft that just happened chase bryce the quarterback of app state this past year was drafted third overall and that's got me thinking because xfl's kind of been entertaining I, i've enjoyed it it helps that ryan and i are in a fancy football league together with the xfl allowing me to follow everyone could like what's the future of places like the xfl the usfl Ryan, I'll start with you. Do you think that they can actually use this in regards to a developmental territory for the NFL? I mean, listen, it all depends on the ratings, right? Like the CFL has been in existence for quite some time. Um, not until the last, I guess, maybe 10 to 15 years did they get any sort of American television deal where they're on ESPN. So it really all depends on who tunes in. I know viewership is down this year versus where it was in 2020 before COVID shut the league down. Um, but listen, like you, you said that it was kind of entertaining. The XFL has been plenty entertaining because it's been football. Like you can't, you, I don't think you can complain about having extra football, be it spring, summer, college football, whatever the case is. So there is room for the XFL to survive. We being you, uh, me, Jackson, if he watches it, we need to get other people excited to watch it too because the more eyes we can get on it, the, the higher chance we have of the XFL succeeding. And I wouldn't call it a developmental football league for the NFL. I mean, listen, I don't think you can, you can put the USFL and the XFL in the same league because most of the teams are in the same cities, right? 
So, but, but at the end of the day, a lot of these guys in the XFL right now either didn't make it in college but, or in, in, in the NFL, um, made it to the NFL and fizzled out, like guys like Martavis Bryant, Vic Beasley, uh, Eli Rogers. So it, it, the XFL serves as a good second chance for guys. Or guys like A.J. McCarron, who's taking a pay cut to go start in the XFL instead of being a backup in the NFL, to, to his words, um, to make memories for him and his children. So I think there's, there's room for the XFL and leagues like the USFL to survive. But the two problems you, ha- you face are getting fans in the seats. They're averaging about ten to 12,000 fans a game for these XFL games. And you got to get viewership. I mean, you've got millions of people watching. You need more. You need more if you want to see the XFL succeed. See, and, and here's why I think the developmental aspect could come into it. Because let's say we're taking Jackson's favorite team, the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. There's an XFL team called the Seattle Sea Dragons. Josh Gordon right there. <laughs> I mean, you you get those guys who tried the NFL and for whatever reason didn't make it, uh, whether that was issues off the field, whether that was talent level, Ben DiNucci, another example right there. Um, but what if you had a partnership with the Seattle Seahawks and you sent your sixth or seventh round draft pick or you sent some of your practice squad guys over to Seattle Sea Dragons, play in the spring, get some more reps before training camp gets underway. It, it could be a way that they develop. Jackson, would that interest you as a Seahawks fan? Not necessarily. I think of it more as miles on the body. Uh, you know, you send these guys that are sixth and seventh round picks that just got out of playing, you know, nowadays it's four or five years in college with the COVID extension years. Uh, you know, and, and, and moving to practice squad guys that are, you know, being elevated to two games a season or potentially being brought into the 53 man uh, and then going and immediately sending them to spring ball, essentially right after. That's not fair for their bodies. They got healed. Um, I think of it more as a man, that guy fizzled out. You know, he can't play in the NFL. He doesn't have the body for the NFL he can go play in the XFL and, and make do, um, you know, most practice squad guys are still better than the majority. I would assume XFL guys. There's a reason why they're in the XFL outside of rare instances of, of Josh Gordon and AJ McCarron. I feel like the majority of, of practice squad guys actually tend to be of, of more talent. A friend of mine, uh, Ernest Brown, he's he's on the Rams practice squad, and I would assume he is also better than the majority of edge rushers on any of the XFL teams. So it's more of a body thing, I think, of than just a, hey, we can use this as a developmental league. Um, it's not really fair for their bodies. Now, if you have it at the same time, you know, if they if they move the the spring ball to to winter and, you know, you're playing at the same time, then maybe. But that's just too much football. It's too much. So I, I really don't see it as a development developmental league. I see it more as a, hey, this guy couldn't make it. Maybe he has something left in the tank. If he has something left in the tank, then maybe, you know, we give him a call, be like, hey, come try out. You know, I see it more as that. Uh, I, I want to chime in real quick, Michael, if that's OK. It's your yeah. show. Um, listen, I. I I'd like to respectfully disagree with the fact that, that most of the guys on the practice squad are better than, than most of the guys in the XFL. Here's why. You've got guys like Vic Beasley, who was a pro bowler. He was an all-pro the year that the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, led the NFL in sacks. So, 
Yeah, I, I think there's there's one way of saying like most practice squad guys are, are better than XFLers. I'll give you I'll give you the the concession that the offensive line play in the XFL has been horrendous. I would argue to your point that the third and fourth string offensive linemen, maybe the practice squad offensive linemen in the NFL are better than those playing in the XFL. But I mean, I think PJ Walker is a prime example of a guy who can maybe not so much cut it in the NFL. Go to the XFL, you know, before that before that season got cut short, P.J. Walker was probably on pace to be the XFL MVP. And he comes in, and not only does he come in and, and sign with the Panthers, he starts for multiple games for Carolina. So there's plenty of guys that the XFL, again, maybe not so much a developmental league. I think there's a lot of guys in the XFL that have talent. But because the NFL is so hard to play, uh, on on these rosters, the XFL is a great opportunity for guys to have a second chance in making the NFL. Um, or in AJ McCarron's uh, you know experience, uh, the opportunity to play for his children, to play so his children can watch him play, and then maybe potentially get another uh, uh, you know shot at, at starting in the NFL. So I, I to your point, offensive line play probably uh, defensive line play uh, ha- hasn't been great in the XFL. But I think a lot of these skilled players, they could play in the NFL. Um, they might be on the back end of rosters, but that's what the XFL and and you know going further to the USFL's point is to letting these guys showcase their skills in an attempt to to re-sign for an NFL team. So I think there's room for all of it, man. Like if you love football, you gotta love any sort of extra football league, whether it's Canadian football, arena football, maybe not so much, but the XFL Whoa. is definitely somewhere. <laughs> the, 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 the XFL is definitely a, a spot, especially because the rules, the rules in the XFL are fantastic. Some of the some of the unique things that they're doing, um, the NFL is even looking at. So if you're not watching the XFL, you should be. Ryan, I I kind of got distracted by looking at the blackboard behind me. Listed my topics right here, the Instagram right there, Tobacco Road Sports Radio, WWEG 1470 AM. Got my name right above me. But did you just trash on the Arena Football League? I had so many enjoyable moments just watching the Arena Football League, having guys tackle someone over the barricade. It was like in a basketball type of arena. Don't don't trash. Listen, I'm not trashing. I'm not trashing arena football, but with the way that the arena, the way that the arena fields are set up, you can't really showcase a whole lot if you're trying to go play for an NFL team playing in a in a in a on a field that's fifty what fifty yards shorter. Um, there's no sideline, so if you get tackled on the sidelines, you're going over the barricade. Like, listen, I love the optics. Like, I'll give me give me NFL blitz in arena football. Like, I'm here for it. But it's, it doesn't get to do a, a really good job of preparing somebody to play in an NFL or an XFL or, or a USFL. Which is what the XFL-USFL looks like for me because you did mention P.J. Walker. And I'm starting to think of players you know, who are maybe getting drafted day three, might go undrafted. If they even just – I don't know if they right now go away from the NFL dream because there is a dream – to play in the NFL, but if you know you're not going to get playing time, you're not going to get any exposure, you might get cut from a practice squad, why not go out and try to see what's there in the XFL or USFL? I know that's what Chase Bryce did. Uh, I, I could see this working both ways if there's more of a streamline of like, hey, the NFL is working with this league 
to help players prepare themselves for a potential jump to the NFL. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not entirely bought on that idea. You know, we see in in, in the MLB uh, just recently the number one pick, all, all picks in the MLB they go and play in developmental leagues until they're ready for the show, right? They're ready for the big time. That doesn't happen in the NFL. That doesn't happen for the I don't think the sixth and seventh round pick. You can find value in sixth and seventh round picks. You know, we see that often. Chris Carson, for example, just a Seahawks reference, he came in and just blew up right immediately so brock purdy not really brock purdy but anyways (laughs) you find different guys in the league you know late round drafts george kittle was a fifth round pick you know richard sherman fifth round pick you find different guys that are making picks that you're going to be like oh this guy could go and immediately play let's not send him to the xfl that's a waste of time um whereas obviously in developmental leagues such as you know, soccer has it as well, where you have this guy, you go and sign him, and he goes and prepares for six years. You know, an NFL body doesn't have uh, – uh, football bodies don't have six years for a developmental league like in the MLB does, right? Dansby Swanson was in developmental leagues for a long time. The Atlanta Braves shortstop – or well, I don't think he's Atlanta Braves anymore. You find stuff like this and just continue on. It's just it, – I, I just don't – I don't see it really being a developmental league at the end of the day. You're going to find gyms every once in a while, but really at the end of the day, you're going to find guys that couldn't cut it in the league, go and find, you know, they were on a practice squad. They were a seventh round pick and now they're 26 years old and they've been in the league three years and they've been cut six times. You're you're like, okay, well at this time, let's try something else out. Let's try to get some playing time and they don't cut it in the, the XFL or the USFL or whatever it is. I think that's where they go. You know, if they don't, if you can't cut it, you go and play in this league. And, and if you shine for some reason, hey, we'll give you a call back. You know, I think that's how this works. It could be worse. You could be Paxton Lynch and have a shot Lynch, in literally yeah. every league and get benched in every every professional football league that you play in. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, to your point, I don't think it, I don't think that the model of being a developmental league is, is a good idea, but definitely sort of like a second chance league. There's a, a show, I believe, on Netflix called Second Chance You or Last um, Chance You. Last chance you, yeah, last chance you. So I think the XFL and the USFL serve a, a good purpose as being that league where if you, you're not done playing and you want to go and play professional football somewhere, be it for six figures or whatever the case is, go to the XFL, go to USFL or to Jackson's Point, wait for that callback from an NFL team and get another shot. And and that may happen. Uh, and one, one name that comes to mind right now is a top prospect in the NFL draft, Jalen Carter. We don't know how all the legal stuff is happening right now, um, but who knows if teams will take a chance on drafting him, not knowing his availability. Obviously, the talent is there. Uh, Jackson, I know you're pretty high on Jalen Carter and his uh, ceiling as a player. As, as an owner, not knowing how all the legal stuff will work out, are you comfortable drafting Jalen in the first round, second round, third round? comfortable picking him up as an undrafted free agent or could you go to the xfl yeah that might be the most insane thing i'm still picking it as a talent i'm still picking him number one number one number one pick they're two misdemeanors guys he was driving quickly lied to the police worst case scenario at the very worst he will face one year in prison and a thousand dollar fine they're two misdemeanors two misdemeanors you can get that by just walking on the street guys uh i'm not 
you know, not to downplay what happened. Uh, he reports have come out that he has poor uh, character issues. Those reports seem to be actually false. Uh, recently, it was just announced that a walk-on player at the University of Georgia couldn't afford his meals, and Jalen Carter covered all of his meals with the scholarship. Covered, a, covered them all. This is a good guy at the end of the day. I don't know what happened with the actions, and, and all I know at the end of the day is there are two misdemeanors. He's the best. He's the most talented player in the draft. Still the number one overall pick in my eyes. Still number one on my big board. It'll all be figured out at the absolute worst. At the absolute worst. You're facing one year in prison and $1,000 fine. Absolute worst. There's no, oh, he's going to drop to the second round. Oh, he's going to drop to the third round. Oh, XFL. No, he's still going to be a top five pick, most likely. And there's there's no other way around it. The kid is, he, he he's paying for kids' food with his scholarship money because the kid couldn't afford it and he was a walk-on. That's a good guy at the end of the day. You know, he might have made a mistake. We all make mistakes. But this kid, at the end of the day, is still like a solid person. And we've seen that through actions. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. Uh, Ryan, I'm sure you have different. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you have a different opinion or not, but that's how I see it. He's still number one on my big board. He's still the first guy I'd pick on a talent overall base. Yeah, man, listen, uh, to Jackson's point, like. It's for to his point, I think I don't think he's a bad kid, like. First of all, I think the timing is, is nothing short of predominant. Like, of course, the, the first day, you know, the week of the combine, they issue an arrest warrant for him. So, um, you know, the bottom line is that he is he's not running from it, right? Like he potentially ran from the accident, but he's not running from this. He is taking interviews with, with teams. He's already flown down to Georgia. He's been booked. He bailed himself out and flew back to Indianapolis to finish his interviews. So he's done everything in my book that, that he needs to do. It's not like he is trying to hide anything that he did. He put out a statement that said, I understand what's going on. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm confident that I'm going to get be exonerated. So it's, it'd be different if he was like, Oh, I didn't do anything. I wasn't there. Like potentially the worst thing he could have done is he could have witnessed the accident, not even been involved, but as a result of, of the, of the tracing that they're charging him for, um, have, having been somewhat involved in, in, in then fleeing the accident in some states that's considered a felony, but, but nevertheless, it's still, he didn't, he didn't wreck anybody. You can't prove that he was drunk. Um, he was making he, uh, plenty of people have, have flown past me on the interstate when I was, I was doing well above the speed limit and people have flown past me. People speed all the time. People, whether they're in SUVs or sports cars, or in the horrible bosses movie, a Prius, everybody, there, there are people <laughs> that like to race, right? And so it was probably just cutting up, having a good time, and it ended poorly. Um, and, you know, I, I think I think the police kind of want to make a, make a point of this. And um, at the end of the day, from a talent standpoint, like Jackson said, he's not falling out of the top 10. I know there's a lot of people that are saying that he, that he should and that he is, and this, that, and the other, but if he fell, I don't care if you're the, the 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 Texans, the Patriots, or the Chiefs. If he falls to you outside of the top 10, you'd be dumb not to get him in that sort of value. And I think the other teams are going to see that. And, like, again, potentially, like, if, if he's found guilty and, you know, it's a misdemeanor fine, like, maybe he gets, like, a, like a, a fine from the NFL when he signs with the team. And, you know, I think the worst-case scenario is that he's facing a civil suit. 
if he does take some sort of plea deal, are they are they calming him? So maybe his signing bonus goes to the family of the, of the person who who passed away in the accident. So, um, but yeah, I, listen, if I'm an NFL franchise, um, yeah, it's concerning. But what's not what, what what kind of makes that concern not feel so like bad to me is the fact that he's owning it. He's taking responsibility. He's it's not like I mean, he's he's stayed out of the state of Georgia. I mean, he flew the day after they issued a warrant. Took his took his charge was booked and then bailed himself out. So he's facing it head on. Kudos to him. And uh, there's no no reason why he should fall out of the top ten of the NFL draft. And we'll, we obviously have the combine this week. We'll have to see how all that shapes out. And before we get into our wrestling segment, we'll welcome Matt Cosgrove into the show. Ryan will stay with us. Uh, we'd be remiss without mentioning uh, the passing of Jerry Richardson yesterday. Uh, the former Carolina Panthers owner which was probably a shock to a lot of Panther fans. The organization uh, didn't know if Jackson, if you had any words to share. I know we're not Panther fans, but um, seeing the impact he had on just our home state. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible day. Uh, you know, we're all thinking about it and uh, just prayers for the family and everybody, you know, around him. Uh, that's, that's really all we can say at this point. Yeah. Ryan. I mean, as listen, as a Panthers fan, like we wouldn't have a Panthers franchise if it were not if it were not for Jerry Richardson. Um, you know, I feel bad for his family. Condolences to his family. There's a reason why he was the former owner of the Carolina Panthers. Um, he may have said or, or acted certain ways that were unbecoming of of a an owner of a of a National Football League organization. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crap on the dude that's passed away. Like, uh, you know, everybody's got a family. Um, his family didn't act or do what he did. So uh, condolences to his family. Um, big loss for the for the originator of the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I grew up a Panthers fan. Just because I root for the Lions now doesn't mean that I absolutely hate the hate the Panthers. So um, condolences to his family. Uh, to, uh, you know, it's at the end of the day, he's an, he was an older gentleman, and you know, I, I don't mean to be callous about it, but um, you know, it's it, things happen. Life life is short. Uh, life is longer for some other people. So my, my sincerest condolences to his family and the Panthers organization for those who may have worked and, and cared about uh, Jerry Richardson. Yeah, and Jerry Richardson lived to be 86. Um, he would have turned 87 this year. Uh, he passed away in Charlotte. But on, on a brighter note, we get to talk about wrestling right after the break. We'll welcome Matt Cosgrove in. Uh, he's my little news insider. Jackson, Great having you on the show, and next time, just don't bring up Kyrie Irving. All right, we'll be back on Al Pago with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWVG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup after the break. Welcome back to Al Paco and Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, 
and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your DGI Friday lineup. We got Ryan Frick from Tap Outs and Touchdowns joining us. He's part of the Wrestling Wednesday crew, along with myself doing the Drop the Mic Wrestling podcast. Those air Tuesdays, Facebook Live, YouTube, and then Wednesday afternoons on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And joining us via satellite, you see it on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel. But join via satellite is Matt Cosgrove himself. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Sorry I couldn't be in studio, but I'm glad to, to be on again. So it's good to see you guys. Matt, that's top notch, dude. I love it. Thank you, thank you. Was that or parts <laughs> unknown? But you know, oh, via satellite, you get you listen. Your satellite, it, it, that's top notch. Yeah, I, gotta, I would, I, don't, I would call it a troll, but it's not a troll. It's just top notch promotion right there. That's good stuff. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, as Matt joins us via satellite, as I join you in front of a chalkboard, see my handwriting? Pretty good, right? With the chalkboard, um, we 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 got to talk about this weekend and. Not a lot of people are talking about AW Revolution. Some people say the buildup has been a little lackluster in terms of comparing it to what AEW's done in the past. Um, I think we should have gotten Samojo Wardlow like three months ago. So I'm kind of iffy on that. But this is a really pivotal weekend in terms of the futures of two big names that have been talked about in the wrestling world, one of them being Kenny Omega the current reigning defending one-third AW Trios champions with the Young Bucks. Everyone's saying that King Omega's contract's expiring. Could he go to WWE? There, there's been comments made about he wants to be somewhere. He wants to help others. Is that Where is that? Who knows? And then there's another name of a tag team that is near dear to my heart, FTR. And there's rumors about their contracts being up in April, do they go to WWE? Do they try to prove something there? Do they re-sign with AEW, potentially being that fourth tag team and winning the titles this weekend? Uh, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Do you see either of these guys, King Omega or FTR, leaving AEW? Uh, yeah, definitely. I could definitely see FTR going back. Um uh, Kenny Omega. Well, FTR will start there. I could definitely see them going back. You know, they left for reasons um, that were pretty clear. Like they didn't like where the booking was. They were getting rebranded into like coming out with like do rags and huge clocks on their chests. They got to go do the gauntlet. You know, it's kind of similar to Cody Rhodes. They they got to go and do like the gold quest. They got to rebrand themselves to one of the most over tag teams in the world. Now they get to go back for a guy with Triple H who they worked closely with in NXT, who they really enjoyed working under. So I definitely can see um, FTR going back there. There's a lot of teams that they that you, if you listen to Dax Harwood's um, podcast or even interviews, he'll mention how some of his funnest matches or greatest matches were with like you know American Alpha or with the Usos and a lot of current um, talent that are still there. So I I definitely could see FTR go back there. And I mean. What do they have to lose doing it? You know, it just kind of solidifies, adds to their legacy a little more. Uh, Kenny, um, that's interesting. I think that's going to be really interesting too. I do think that he he could go to WWE purely because of why he came to AEW. You know, he did everything he needed to do in Japan, um, and he came to you know he fought that Japanese style over there. 
But to cement his legacy, he needed to get over here in the United States. And he did that at AEW. So what more, you know, his, he's on the back end of his career too. He has said that he wants to be in WWE at some point. Again, same same thing. He you know has respect for Triple H. Um, he's got, you know, the Up Up Down Gang, Austin Creed, a bunch of friends over there too. So there's relationships that he has there. And really, that would really just be the, you know, the, the cherry on top for his career, you know, if he wanted to go to WWE and really solidify that legacy as one of the best to ever do it. So, yes, in short, you know, in a very long-winded answer, I do think they both could go to WWE. Radio's meant for long-winded answers, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, if, if this were to happen, the motion starts this weekend. That means the elite lose the titles to the House of Black, which I would love for Malachi, Buddy, Brody, they they've needed a push for a while. I didn't see an opening for it. Uh, would the would the elite do the job to the House of Black, so to speak, uh, to set Kenny Omega on a path to WWE following following Cody Rhodes of all people? I mean, listen. First first and foremost, we mentioned that radio is meant for long winded responses, and I've got the face for radio, so we'll we'll start off right there. Um, listen and YouTube channel and, and YouTube. Well, you know, yeah. So. Uh, no, there's so much to unpack. First and foremost, you did mention that uh, there's not a lot of buildup for this AEW pay-per-view, and I think it's because it's been completely overshadowed by what they're doing in WWE. Uh, Sami Zayn has, has has separated from the bloodline, and that's a whole thing. They're starting to tease him and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Uh, we still haven't seen Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns in the same ring as of yet. So there's plenty of stuff to unpack as to why it doesn't feel like there's a build. Uh, when it comes to FTR and Kenny Omega jumping ship, uh, I think Matt said it best. The reason FTR left was because Vince was throwing them in clown costumes and they weren't having it. So they took off. They, they took their, their uh, you know, tour around the sun and or tour around the world, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they were champions in, in four different organizations. So, of course, it would make sense for them to come back. Now, like you said, if Kenny Omega is ever going to make the jump, now I think they extended his contract nine months because of his injuries uh, last year, um, I think it would be when his contract is up in AEW. And, and again, part of the reason I, I, I have no no any sort of uh, sources or anything to say so, but I'm sure that when he was talking with Triple H about coming to WWE, there was somebody in his ear saying, listen, if Vince is running creative, they'll bury you. So don't come here, right? So, yeah, I mean... I, I think the the elite the elite have done the jobs for, for lesser lesser guys, um, so of course they would do the job for the House of Black. I think uh, Malachi Black, Alisha Black, Tommy In, whatever you want to call him, he's done plenty of stuff to um, prepare himself for for some spotlight. He's he's taken some time off for mental mental health and whatnot, and um, and I think this is a perfect opportunity to put some titles on those guys, uh, be it Brody King and. Uh, why can't I say his name? Um, buddy, buddy, yeah, yeah, Buddy Murphy. So, uh, or Buddy Matthews is how they call him AEW. So, there's, there's a, it's a perfect time. There's plenty of trios teams in AEW with all of the factions that they can they can sort of I don't want to say pinball those titles around, but it makes sense to put it on them, right? So, um, I think this is the weekend that they pull the trigger and they take the titles off. I mean, listen, if you go way back when they won the titles for the first time, they vacate them the next night. And then they put them in this program where they they um, they had their their best of five series with uh, the Lucha Bros and and uh, and Pac. So to, to for whatever reason, put the titles back on them. Um, so yeah, 
I can't think of a better time than to have a title change like this leading up to WrestleMania to try to get some eyes back on AEW because I personally haven't been tuning in as much as I should have, as intently as I should have. I mean, they just took the titles off of my guys, the acclaimed. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen that in a few weeks. So, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I think it's time. And you've got to take the titles off of them this week. So there's my long-winded answer of, of telling you, yes, it's time. And they do the job. Yeah, I, re- I remember um, I, I was a couple weeks behind and I hadn't watched the episode with the guns yet. And I, I heard it and I looked at my dad and I was like, no way. And he's like, yeah, they did it. Matt? Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't a fan of what they did, how they did it. But I think long term, the way like that, the four way they have this weekend is a great way to protect the guns to keep keep the belts on them. Um, if they keep pulling off these, just on the, the guns thing real quick, if they are pulling off wins, just cheap ways, just to get heat, then I'm down with it. Like, that's cool. Um, but back to the House of Black, they have a lot of, I, I would think, from what I've read, that Aleister Black signed, like, a five- or six-year deal with AEW. So they got to have something, like, they have big plans, like Ryan said, for Aleister Black and the House of Black. And just like in any wrestling promotion, you know, people leave, people go. So you have to transition out. And I'd be remiss to say, too, when they suspended or vacated those belts, AEW did a pretty good job of, you know, keeping that ship going. It made you, you know, week to week. We were watching what I thought was good product. Uh, and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks weren't the first thing that were on the forefront of my mind. So, you know, if you do it the right way, you can take the belts off people, the the company, the wheel keeps spinning, as Punk has said in the bat- before. Um, so, who knows? It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I think, though, and I have no inside information on this. What if FTR didn't leave and they came back and they ran for the trios titles with Mark Briscoe? Man, FTR don't do that to me. Briscoe. Don't do that to me. Wow. Uh, that's something that I was thinking about because, you know, Mark, it's it, it would just be great. I think it'd be it'd be good. He deserves it. Um, that'd be a fun. That that's just one of those like fancy booking things I have. And also, you know, what if they did Punk and FTR versus the Elite for the trios or something like that too? Just you know, obviously, <laughs> don't you? That would be so you had, funny. You had me at Mark Briscoe. You <laughs> lost me at CM Punk. Right, but come but, on. Right, the, I, I like the Mark Briscoe one, but. I mean, Tony Khan probably likes money a lot too. And if you want to do the ratings, dude, that, CM, that CM Punk never money. needs to show. Yeah, CM Punk never needs to enter in another wrestling ring. I don't care if it's New Japan, right. All Japan, Ring of Honor, MLW, uh, CCW. Right. I don't care what indie promotion. You, well, keep him keep him off TV. Keep him out of a wrestling ring, dude. Right. You made your money. Go go away. Stay away. We don't we don't we don't need you anymore. I'm right there with you, Ryan. I'm with you. I, I he's on the he he's damaged goods. He can't wrestle on his own though. And if he is going to come back, then he's got to have to do it. You know, they're going to have to protect him somehow. So I'll, I almost you know. want to see it happen just to see Ryan's reaction um, oh, if his head would actually explode. Or um, but we're almost out of time. But we we got to touch on one of the guys who did hold up while the elite and CM Punk suspended after brawl out. That's Brian Danielson. He's wrestling MJF this weekend, 60-minute Iron Man match. It's pretty clear that MJF is winning this one. They're not taking the tile off of him. Danielson did this job to Hangman during his uh, stint as AEW World Champion. 
how do you finish this match is the question. Are we going to see a 60 minutes of like two, three, four falls each? Are we going to see a 60 minutes of no falls? Is MJF going to cheat for the final fall? Is Can this end in a draw? Ryan, what, what do you think happens with this one? I mean, listen, I fantasy booking, Daniel uh, Brian Danielson goes up like 5 nothing, and then um, Punk – or uh, punk. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about being punk. <laughs> he misses him, guys. Jesus, no. So uh, MJF, MJF gets some gets some cheap stuff and like knocks him out cold and gets like five five falls in a row uh, to take it or something like that. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, MJF is not going to win clean. I don't know how they're going to do it, uh, but he, there's no way he wins clean. Um, I think it's going to be very slow paced for the first thirty minutes. It'll pick up towards the end. Um, but you're probably going to have a lot of a lot of walking around by MJF on the outside, like maybe even picking up a mic out of the Rock uh, back in the late '90s um, to to help fill this match. I mean, listen, I think MJF can go an hour. I'm not in the in that in that part of the population that doesn't think that MJF can wrestle. I think he's great on the mic and in the ring. Um, that, that being said, I think Brian Danielson is is top three wrestlers in the world period now then now and forever you know what i'm saying so um if anybody's gonna be able to make mjf look like a million bucks in this match is brian danielson and i hate it because i love mjf as a heel but i mean there's a reason why on the wwe 2k video games because they don't have my last name i called myself daniel ryan going out to the ring because um i mean brian brian danielson has that sort of like hold on me like i'm just that's my dude. And so, yeah, MJF wins. He doesn't win clean. Um, and he'll have some, uh, some fuel for his fire when he gets back on the mic after the, uh, after the pay-per-view. Now, both of you have given me really good, like, predictions. You know, Ryan mentioned William Regal slipping the brass knucks to MJF. Matt, you always seem to be like, yep, this is the direction where they're going. What, what's your thoughts heading into this weekend? I'm with Ryan. I think MJF goes over. Um, it's going to, you know, I think that's the biggest, for me, the biggest uh, intrigue for me is how. How are they going to pull this off? Because, you know, if it were Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, I'd be like, okay, well, they go back and forth, they trade falls. But with a guy like MJF, he's going to have something up his sleeve. He's going to have a trick up his sleeve, especially in an Iron Man match. And I, you know, I expect – some some trickery in the end so that's i'm enticed to see that the most um maybe he gets his family involved or something and makes him quit on the microphone or they throw the towel in on him um who knows who knows uh, that's what i'm excited for the, the most the, these these pay-per-views notoriously also always have someone show up at them um maybe it's maybe it's at so I have two. I have a prediction with this. Okay, so I think someone's going to show up at this pay per view. Okay, so let's say maybe for MJF, maybe this is where Jay White comes and calls be Brian bad. Danielson, and we get a whole setup there. If the if there isn't a new superstar that shows up during this one, I have a prediction prediction that Mercedes Monet shows up during the women's match and joins that little like NWO style. Uh, trio that they have and like so i think one of those two things could go on so can i can i can i throw one at you real quick you, you uh, already mentioned ftr maybe they come back as the tag team were they not in the first mjf's first faction in aew 
The pinnacle. I mean, you, you, could, you could get them coming in to, to turn heel because even though they had like a very, very small baby face turn, but maybe you get them coming back, turning heel. Um, we haven't seen Sean Spears in a while. Maybe Sean Spears comes back and helps. I mean, you've got to remember Sean yeah. Spears was also in that faction and was basically the caveat to the, to the face turn for, um, and of course I can't say his name. Um, uh, we, we just said his name. Wardlow. The guy who, who who's who's fighting Joe this weekend? Wardlow. Yes. Wardlow. Yeah. Wardlow. Yeah. Yeah. So he was the caveat for Wardlow's face turn. So you know, maybe he's maybe he's the one that helps and and gets involved yeah. and, and stops this. I like the Monet prediction though. I think this is the time that that Monet comes in with the with the uh, the IWGP Women's Championship and and shows up and joins that uh, Tony Storm Page or I'm sorry, um, Soraya. 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 Uh, faction that, that would be pretty nice um just the amount of times we've like brainstormed whether it's wwe or aw it's been awesome be excited to watch duke unc tomorrow night be excited to watch aw revolution this sunday we got packed weekend uh we gotta get out of here we got franchise players next as part of tgi friday lineup thank you so much matt thank you so much ryan from tap outs and touchdowns you can Catch him, Spotify, YouTube. <laughs> you <got laughs> the acclaim might be arriving or FTR. Who knows? Um, thanks so much, Jackson and uh, Mason Childress. Super excited to have you guys on as well. It's been a great episode of Out of Pocket with Michael Davis. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to our Instagram. Guy get up. And you can't miss any more content throughout the week. So everyone taking full advantage of this packed weekend and we will see you next week.